Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, so, you know, I thought I'd talk today about um, the three phases of, of the path. You know, usually we speak of the first, you know, phase of, of the path is listening and contemplating. So listening and contemplating, and then we have the meditation aspect, and then we have the fruition, the fruition of the path. Uh, listening and contemplating, it's kind of what we're doing now. We're having like a little, a little Dharma talk and you might be reading, reading books, listening to teachers, listening to Dharma talks online, all that kind of stuff. That's part of the listening and, and contemplation piece. Uh, some people get stuck here. <laughs> They're like, I like this, you know? Uh, and it's intellectually stimulating, but, but we don't move to the meditation piece. You know, sometimes I say like, I meet people who like everything about meditation, except meditation, <laughs> except like the meditating part. Yeah. So, uh, it's also called the foundational phase, you know, the foundation. So we really learn the foundation of, of the path. We're really absorbing like, what the heck are we doing? Why are we doing it? Uh, how are we doing it? All that kind of stuff. And then the meditation part, um, the, you know, the actual, sometimes the meditation will say the actual path, like actually working the, the path experientially yourself. Obviously, this is the, the most important, most important piece is to actually sit with it ourselves. Uh, and only then the combination of the two, we get the, the fruition of, of, of the path. And uh, obviously, the first two, they go together. And, you know, as we're meditating, we're also listening and, and contemplating and we're deepening our practice uh, as we go along. And this this deepens our, our experience. And, and of course, there's a continuous emphasis on the, the practice part and what I've seen um, being a sharer for uh, quite a while now and working with a lot of people and is that I could, I, I could realize uh, just a profound difference when people are practicing and learning compared to just learning, right? Uh, if we ever feel like stuck in, in our practice, it's usually because we're kind of stuck on the meditation side, right? So I would say, you know, as far as absorbing more knowledge, you know, out of books and, and things like this, this can become very stale. But if we're actually meditating and whatnot, and then confiding in our teachers and learning and growing in that way, then there's going to be a, a natural progression happening. There's a wonderful documentary called Amongst White Clouds, Amongst White Clouds. And, you know, it's about these Chinese hermits. It's about these uh, amazing uh, monastics in China. And they're basically all in like lifelong retreat. And 
there was an individual there that did a documentary on them and and every he goes and he checks in on them like every few months and i remember him going to this one this one woman practitioner and he says even though she hasn't left she hasn't gone anywhere she's just been meditating the whole time every time i meet her it sounds like she's been on this incredible journey you know she tells him of these amazing experiences and everything and she hasn't gone anywhere right except she has right she's gone she's gone inward and she's just like so alive with with all of these um little I don't know if called realizations or whatnot, but but growth, right, from from her practice. But also too, I thought it would be nice to kind of put some characteristics, maybe it's the right word, for for these different aspects of, of, of the path. And I like to look at them as from from each section, what are we trying to uh, what's the What's the wisdom that we could draw from each each of these section, uh, sections? And we can come up with a million. I just came up with three because these three seem to me to have the most power as far as the relief of suffering. And those are impermanence, love, and I'm going to use instead of like emptiness, I'll just say like I'm I'm not the body, and right? I'm not the body. So impermanence, love, and I'm I'm not the body. You know, there's there's a few a few things, you know, as a Dharma practitioner, and when I speak with my Dharma friends, especially when we're suffering or when we meet suffering, there's always the same thing. Like we always say, like, "Oh gosh, I'm just so glad I have the practice." You know, it's it's I'm so I'm so happy that I found that I found these tools. And then when we have our friends and our family members when they're suffering. I'm sure you've all felt this. We just wish you can impart um, some wisdom that would relieve that suffering for them. And one thing that for me that comes up time and time again is the notion of impermanence. And if we look at the first phase of, of the path, the foundational path, the foundational aspect, we're really looking at becoming wise to the nature of impermanence you know in the buddhist practice with the four noble truths truths which are really based upon uh, this idea of dukkha or unsatisfactoriness right and so if we look at impermanence that things are shifting and changing all the time uh, this is what allows us to be to be freed from the attachment that causes this this dukkha this um, unsatisfactoriness, right? So case in point, it was really sad. I get this text from my, my dad yesterday. <clears throat> my dad was on a, a, a motorcycle trip and he was out in Nevada somewhere with his, with his buddies and, and um, they were dirt bike riding for like a week. And then on the way back, he, he went to go visit uh, his lifelong friend and he had called before and his buddy said yeah come you know come over or whatnot and you know my dad's in his early 70s he's known this guy since he was a teenager and so he he gets there 
And he says, immediately, I knew that something was wrong because um, this, you know, my dad's friend usually gives him a big bear hug. He's just known for his hugs. And he says, if I opened the door, he didn't give me a hug. He acted kind of just distant, you know. And long story short, my dad's friend has been developing dementia. And you know, my dad didn't know. Right? So this is, uh, my dad just kind of found out with this interaction, right? So they spent a few hours there and my dad ended up leaving, but, and then uh, talked to the guy's girlfriend and, and whatnot. But so, yeah, my dad was heartbroken, you know, his, um, his friend wasn't really connecting with him, wasn't very lucid, right? And of course, this is, this is a, an example of profound impermanence, like gross impermanence. Right, right. So somebody who was able-minded, uh, you know, is not any longer. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is a quite quite a big shift. Right? Uh, and yet, in the foundational element of the practice, we get to see on a micro level impermanence happening all the time because we're here, right? And if we're here, we notice impermanence. If you're focusing on your breath, you notice impermanence, right? If you notice, if you notice sound, that's impermanent. It's shifting and changing. If you notice body sensation, it's shifting and changing. So the these foundations of, of mindfulness practice, even though it might not even be it might not even be conscious, we're, we're becoming intimately aware of impermanence. So when these big impermanences come, we're like, oh yeah, like. This is normal. Things change, right? So I'm not attached to, to things. Well, I don't use the word attached. Of course, we're not attached, but it's through it's through um, you know, the 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 first noble truth or the uh, the first eightfold path is right view. Like we're we're seeing things differently. Instead of things seeing things as, hey, that's my friend that that I know and he's gonna be like that when I get there, he's gonna be the same. But we're seeing things as I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It might be like this, it might be like that, because this is real. I've been hanging out with truth and this is truth. Things are shifting, you know, and changing. I had something come up the other day. <clears throat> I'm um So I've been I've been training for the Long Beach Marathon, which probably shouldn't be, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go. I did the half last uh, last year, and so I'm gonna just I'm gonna go for the full one this year. And um, so you know I'm training, so there's attachment, right? Because there's a I I I want to do this thing, you know. So I feel attachment arising that I want to want to do well, and I'm putting in some work, you know, take some work and. I had finished a long run the, the day before and I wake up and well, boy, my body hurts, right? So that's, mm -hmm. there's that. But then, you know, sitting, well, I'm watching TV with my wife and she's like, oh man, my throat hurts. Like, I think I'm getting sick. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I just drank out of her cup. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and then it's like in two weeks, you know, the birth, I was like in two weeks. So I'm thinking, oh man, I'm going to get sick you know, before this thing and I'm not all the trading, all that stuff, right? 
but I thought, you know, immediately it just came like, yeah, who cares, you know? Like that might be true. Like I, I might have, I might have trained and then I, I'm gonna get sick and I won't be able to do it or I'm gonna suck or at it or whatever, you know? But it, it but immediately it was just like, yeah, I know. I might, I might not be able to do it. Uh, or, you know, I go running one day, I feel good the other day. I, I feel like completely injured, you know, this is like um, normal. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's that too, but, but I, I, you know, I realized, oh, there would have been a time when I really would have been almost scared of getting sick. Like, oh, I can't get sick. Like, I really can't. Like, what, what if I do? And da, 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 and gone through this whole thing. But instead it just was like, yep, that's, it's just like that. Maybe, maybe I will, maybe I won't. And that's that, that's just real. And, um, and she ended up feeling better, right? And so I would have worried for nothing, which is some, I don't know, I'm a pro at that. You're, you're a pro at that. And so there's a realization in that, in that first piece of the, the path, you know, there's a realization that things are shifting and changing. And because they are shifting and changing, they are not sustainable and reliable sources for contentment. And this can be a big blow, right? Because we're used to getting whatever we are looking for come from the outside, but if they're not sustainable and reliable because they're shifting and changing, uh, this causes a realization to happen. Like, you know, this is what you know. Buddha was saying up when he when he spoke about the the uh, kind of widespread suffering can happen when we when we have wrong view. That wow, if we're really looking for it out here, and we think it's going to be out here, then that could be widespread, you know, suffering. But if we release that attachment and we're actually walking in in alignment, like with the current of impermanence, you know, I like the analogy of instead of sitting in a, in a, in a stream with, or a river with strong current and kind of pushing against it, if we turn around and lift up our legs and just go with the current, there, there's no opposition. It's smooth, right? And yet there's suffering all around because there's so much attachment, even still within our own mind and in, in the mind of others. And so we look for things that soothe this, this suffering that, that we're existing, that we're experiencing. And I find in, in the second piece of, of the path, and, and of course I'm just making these up, these are just totally made up <laughs> the, the, the phase of the meditation piece. But for me, it's really the development. Like we're using that wisdom from that first fundamental uh, foundational aspect of, of the path. We're using that wisdom and then we're meditating and we're really developing the heart. Because I think for, for me, at least, it was able, to, it was more able to kind of conceptualize more of the wisdom pieces and permanence and things like that. And then it took a while for me to develop in meditation 
more like in an embodied way the heart practices like in an embodied way what i mean by embodied is non-selfish <laughs> you know oh i had i had love for the things i had love for you know like my dog my wife you know my whatever but like to extend that past past like this kind of selfish notion uh, that mixture of wisdom and and compassion you know uh is really the meat, you know, of, of, of the middle piece. Like, why are we meditating? Or like Anam Jupin says, if you want to know that if you're progressing or not on the path, uh, are you more kind? It's just simple. Are you more kind? And because now that we, we realize this is a wound, then, then we're looking to soothe it and love soothes this wound, right? That we now know is, is existing. And, um, there's an odd story to throw in here, but uh, I was watching uh, uh, there's a YouTube program called Hot Ones. Anyone ever see that? You guys gotta watch that. It's so good. <laughs> it's, fun. it's fun. So hot. What's that? What's it called? It's called Hot Ones. Hot Ones. And there's a host. His name's Sean, and and he's got all these crazy hot spices. <laughs> and um, and he interviews um, famous people, like entertainers, singers, actors, and all this stuff. And they get in, like incredibly hot, like almost like PTSD hot, like <laughs> like literally they're they're having moments, right? Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. And um, so Zac Efron is on there, <laughs> uh, the actor Zac Efron, he, and he actually tells a very touching story with him and Leonardo DiCaprio. He, I guess they're at, a, they're at a baseball game and they don't, they don't know each other, but they got seats right next to each other. And uh, Leonardo, at, at like, I don't know, somewhere in the game, he asks him, he's like, hey, do you, do you want to go to breakfast tomorrow? And Leonardo's older than Zach. So Zach is just kind of like getting super famous. And so Leonardo was like, hey, do you, do you want to go to breakfast tomorrow? And Zach's like, yeah, that would be awesome, you know? So Leonardo invites him over to his house and actually cooks him breakfast, right? Mm. And, and Zach is just like, man, this fame thing is tripping me out. And he's like, I know. So I wanted to bring you here, dude, because I know how crazy it is. And, and, and he's like, how do you deal with it? And he's like, well, to be honest, he's like, you're, it's actually more crazy for you. Like the paparazzi is more crazy about you. That doesn't hit me quite like it's hitting you right now. And they looked at the monitor outside of Leonardo's house because he's got you know cameras everywhere, and there was just paparazzi outside their house. Like they, paparazzi knew they were both in there, and they're both like, "This is nuts, right?" And he, and Zach looked at him, and he could see Leonardo was like anxious too. Like they were both like anxious and having some anxiety. But Leonardo looked at him. He says, "Dude, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be all right." And he said, man, that felt so good. <laughs> like, it was so helpful, you know, to, to feel that. And, you know, that, that, that was just love there. You know, that was just somebody wanting someone else to be happy, like the definition of love, right? And he didn't have to do that. It was very selfless. Like he knew this kid, he was a young kid. He needed maybe a little bit of guidance or, or whatnot. He noticed that there was suffering. And he soothed it with a little bit of love, right? 
And that's what we're doing with ourselves. That's what we're doing on the path here. That's what we're doing for, for others. That's what we're doing with our own mind, the suffering in our mind. We're introducing what happens when we introduce loving kindness to the mind. What happens? There's an interesting study that they did. Uh, they did a study online, actually. They did a MIT and Harvard students. And what they did was is they had they had a group of students attempt to recall the Ten Commandments. <laughs> just, just attempt to recall them. And the other group did not attempt to recall the Ten Commandments, but both groups were kind of seduced uh, to lie. <laughs> they were given an opportunity, a very easy opportunity to kind of cheat and lie on the next phase of this experiment, right? The individuals that attempted to recall the Ten Commandments, they, even if they only got like two out of, out of the 10, none of them cheated. None. And I forget the statistic. It was, I think it was like either 35 or 60, I think it's 65% of the, the non Ten Commandment people cheated. They lied on the next thing. It was just by just by that recognition of just like recalling. So I was thinking, man, like what if we have meta in our minds? Like it's powerful, like information, it's powerful. Right? Information is powerful. Like when we cultivate loving kindness and, and compassion, like when we walk around outside, go outside and we walk around with love, love and kindness in our hearts, like gosh, it really matters like how we meet people and, uh, and our actions, of course. And most importantly, like, how, do we, how do we meet ourselves, right? Like what's in our mind, you know? You know, they've done similar studies on like priming words, you know, marketers use this a lot. They prime certain words in their, in their uh, copy, in their marketing copy, right? To elicit, a, a response and they've done all these studies with like just word groupings they'll have a group of students read a, a group of words and it could be like uh florida retirement or you know something like this they won't say old or elderly or anything they just one study where they just read they read these certain words loosely associated with being older and then they timed um the pace of the, the groups of, of kids at that left, how fast did they walk? <laughs> and, and they walked slower. All the ones that read the words associated with, they didn't even say old, just associated with being older, they walked slower from point A to point B when they left, right? So that, that foundational, element of the of the path is learning and, and contemplating and you know filling up our, ourselves with uh wise content like wise teachings like like content's not uh you know more and more i'm very very aware of content in my in my mind because there's so much damn uh availability of lots and lots of content in a very short amount of time like 
I don't think any, I think all of it matters, man. I think like when you're scrolling, even if, if it's like really, really quick, you know, I don't know if, I'm sure all of you are aware if you're online at all, the algorithms that happen, right? So like if you, if you click on something, you obviously see more of that. If you have a YouTube channel, if you have social media or anything like that, if, if you click on something, you're going to see more of that something, right? So I've, I've noticed like, um, I don't want to click on anything <laughs> unless I want to see a lot more of it. Yeah. Right. So I don't even click on anything. I'm like, oh, that seems kind of interesting, but I know that's going to send me to like, <laughs> then they're going to start sending me more of videos or like yeah. that or something. Right. I'm like, I don't, I just want to do this kind of world. Right. So when I look at something, if, if I have my feed or whatever, I want it to be filled with a certain amount of content. Right? But it's like that with our mind. So with, with our minds, like, what are we clicking on? <laughs> what are we clicking on in, in the mind, right? Because we have a lot of options that are happening in the mind, right? And if we're clicking on this, like a, a moment of mindfulness leads to another moment of mindfulness, right? A moment of loving kindness leads to another moment of, of loving kindness, another moment of generosity or patience. And, you know, it's like in the meditation today where I invited us at the end there to, to check into the experience and like, you know, is peace here? Like, because there's, there's chaos here for sure. <laughs> like in my mind, I could find chaos, right? I could find stress, you know, in my body too. If my body's hurting or something, I could find it. But, but is there spaciousness here already? Is there stillness here already? Is, there's, is there kindness here already? Like, can I tune into that? Is it already here? Is it available? Like something to quote unquote, you know, click on, but in, in this sense, like embody, right? So all of this leads us to the fruition, you know, and, and the fruition is, you know, uh, the fruition of, of the practice in, in a more like relative way is that when I choose this, I feel better. Like relative reality, dualistic world. Yeah. Relative reality is when I choose this, I feel better than that. And because of the practice, I do have the ability to choose because I'm mindful, I'm awake, and I'm aware. I see what's happening within myself, within my own mind. I have that ability to choose, right? That's one beautiful thing that wakefulness gives us is that ability to choose what do we want to follow what do we want to let go because i'm awake i see what's happening i'm aware right what do i want to cultivate and nourish what do i want to let go right? and when i choose this i feel better right and i ran out of time for the i'm not my body thing <laughs> because that's a whole thing um but uh but one thing I, I'll just say one little thing about that is that because we could tie this into impermanence, you know, because when, when we're awake and we have that metacognition, that self-awareness that we're noticing, we're noticing that that impermanence that all everything in our, our external existence comes and goes. It shifts and changes like we've been mentioning, but there's something that stays, right? There's something that's here. As soon as we check into it, it's always here. If I check into awareness, it's always here. 
right? I, I'll, I will definitely leave awareness, but awareness never leaves me. So when things are shifting and changing, how do we know that we're in that wakefulness is because it's here and everything else that's shifting and changing, including you know, our bodies. There's so much suffering that goes around with this self-identification of body, so much fear um, and, and, and all this that happens. But we've all watched our body shift and, shift and change. And yet our eyeness, you know, we can kind of check into that which is looking behind our eyes and feel a sense of familiarity from the time we were little and, and watching our body change. Our body's completely different, right? All the time. I used to have long curly rocker hair. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> my beard, I don't know why I said, my beard even fell off. I, I swear. So I used to have, like last year, I had a pretty decent beard. And then I was like, what's going on? And it's like all straggly. I was like, oh man, I got shaved. That was really bad. And it just, it just fell off. Yeah, like this strip here fell off. And my hair just bald there. And then this half of my beard just fell off. So I'm just like, change, right? Like, um, I'm not my body. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we cover we cover quite a bit, but I thought maybe in our small groups, um, you know, today is maybe plucking out. Like I came up with like, like impermanence, love. I'm not my body, but maybe plucking out some part of that that initial path. Uh, maybe you're you're brand new and you're just kind of hearing some of the things, but some of the things that really resonated or resonate with with you on the path that are um kind of foundational that you kind of go back to like I, I go back to impermanence like oh man that's really really helps me out you know maybe you go back to um uh, a technique like breathing in I know I'm breathing in breathing out I know I'm breathing out that really brings me home you know to the moment or something uh but maybe we can collect um, each other's wisdom here by plucking out one or two things uh, on the path that you have really resonated with, you know. Um, yeah, so in person, you could just kind of turn towards each other here. We will do groups of about about three, no more than no more than four. And then I will set you guys up online uh, to go into groups as well. Yeah, we'll have about fifteen minutes. And so welcome back, everybody. Um, yeah, I just want to open it up to the group. Uh, anyone have anything to share what came up for them in the smaller groups? Remember when we're doing uh, this these group uh, chats, just stay within your own personal experience and not share other people's stuff or whatnot. Just stay with the pronoun I. Yeah. Yeah, so online or... Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed what you said. Um, I have a slightly different focus. Um, instead of impermanence, I tend to focus on non-attachment because mm -hmm. I think it's by non-attachment that we're able to see the impermanence. Because if a thought arises or a feeling arises and and that becomes my entire uh, view then yeah. I find that uh, I can't 
you know, that thought, say an angry thought leads to another angry thought, leads to another angry thought, leads to more feelings. Now it's a whole train of thought. Now it's a mood. Whereas if I can remain unattached, then I can see the anger arise. I can see it exist and then I can see it disappear. And then it's followed by something else. So I, I noticed that for me, my focus is more on non-attachment uh, by use of a mantra or a koan um, because that allows me to, to, to keep my consciousness bigger than the object. If I, my consciousness collapses into an object, then that's all that there is, is that thought or feeling or perception. And then the other thought I had is, uh, of course, Zen Master Hung Po said, the best example of zealous application is not having the thought in your mind, my mind, my body. Uh, so letting go of and just being and not focusing on, you know, that that's another bit of non-attachment. Um, so all that exists is things arising and passing away and there's no focus on self or anyway. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, so this is my first time here. Wonderful. Um, thank you all. Welcome. Um, I'll share you my group that, um, so first, uh, so I've been practicing in this tradition for about 20 years now. Mm -hmm. And this was one of the clearest and simplest, most relatable uh, teachings on Anicca that mm -hmm. I've heard. Uh, so I very Thanks. much appreciate yeah, that. For sure, for sure. Um, and part of that, you know, uh, talking to, uh, like I, I just recently, in April, I turned 40. Mm. And I'm noticing like all the ways that the body is changing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I feel you. I'm like, that's what happened. And at one point, in, and and in that same way, I'm noticing like as the body changes, like the different the stages of development of my own practice. So um, now something will happen where I, I don't like work out as much. I don't recover as I need more sleep. And then there was a time then like I would judge my need for no, more sleep. Okay, no, mm -hmm. like okay, whatever, you can get more done if you don't if you don't sleep mm -hmm. as much. Mm -hmm. Um, so I need more sleep. And then um there where I'm right where I'm now with the practice is that like even in so letting go of the judgment sometimes, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, but the step past that or step beyond that is, so yes, there are times that I'm able to let go of the judgment and that's no problem. But then there are times that I'm not able to let go of the judgment. Mm -hmm. It just sets in like, yeah, like I, I need more sleep and I judge myself for needing more sleep and mm -hmm. then I'm not, not able to let go of the judgment. Yeah. But one, one, uh, one phase that's happening now is that not not adding a, a second arrow on top of that, not judging myself mm -hmm. or judging myself. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the craziest thing happened, like sometimes when I allow that to happen, like there have been times I'm just like, 
will burst burst out in laughter mm. because I'm like, yo, he's just not being that back serious. Like change that just like accept yourself deeply, accept the practice, yeah. accept that the body's changing deeply. Mm-hmm. And as I do that, like there's just a lot more lightness in my heart. And I don't have to be, I don't have to be perfect. Mm. And that works out well. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I like how you're pointing to like you don't have to be a perfect Buddhist. You know what I mean? Like, don't judge the judging. It's like I get caught too. You know what I mean? And I'm not a perfect (laughs) meditator or whatever. You know. So yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. And yeah, good to have you. Yeah. Hi. Um. Yeah. Um. Heather made a. She she uh, mentioned this word patience. And I thought, oh, that's such a great concept to bring into your practice. And um, it helps with just about everything else for me, just when I'm dealing with myself, you know, just to be um, able to turn to non-attachment or impermanence and to, to love and to remember that, right, I'm not this body Sometimes when you're actually in it, if you can just have a little bit of patience, all of the other types of non-judgment and mindfulness, they seem to be a little bit more accessible for me. Thank you for that. So true. Sometimes I reflect that sometimes like on patience being the path, you know, <laughs> like maybe like really like high in patience, you know, it's like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, high level patience. <laughs> it's like the whole thing, just I'm here, you know, it's, it's really cool. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. And thank you for Heather. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you're, good, okay, good. Yeah. Um, Anthony, and I, Anthony and I were in the same, same group and it was very enlightening for me. He's obviously got a lot, a lot of uh, wonderful experience and a lot of wisdom. And what I shared was that, and you know me pretty well by now, that that in, with my health issues, they don't come gradually. Mine are just like these immediate, dramatic, and I go from feeling like I'm 25 years old to 70 years old overnight because mm-hmm. of this condition that I've got called spinal stenosis. I'm, I'm in peak uh, condition. I'm surfing every day. I'm golfing. I'm doing all these things at a really high level. I, I move a piece of furniture, and all of a sudden. I can't move, you know, and, and that isn't temporary. It becomes a permanent thing that I fight. I've been fighting now for over 35 years. So mm. that's one of the, not all, that's one of the reasons that I'm engaging in the meditation practice is to see how I can get to the stage where I'm not my pain. I'm basically just observing my pain. I'm, I'm, I'm in, the, in the gallery watching and, and it's, helping, it's helping quite a bit. But but my reality is in dealing with these things is just the immediacy of how I go from A to Z just like overnight. It, it's you don't get to deal with it gradually. It's just like oh my god, I'm walking upright. I'm doing great, and the next day I'm, I've got a cane. I'm walking with a cane, mm-hmm. and, and I'm stooped over, and you know people are helping me by opening up doors for me. You know it's 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 a crazy reality, but it's something I'm learning to deal with. And thank you. Call Beth. me after you give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing. All right. Um, let's respect everyone's time here. We have a couple, just a couple minutes left. So let's just move into our uh, meditation posture one last time. We're just going to dedicate the merit together. Mm-hmm.
I'm just great, so grateful to sit with everybody today. Really appreciate everybody coming out. Kind of going back to what we said in the beginning, it's very, very rare, very precious. Even a moment of introspection, let alone sitting with a group of people like this. And so reaching into the tender part of our hearts, realizing that this is such a gift. It's really a luxury, it's a privilege that there's so many people in the world that are just attempting to get through the day, just survive. And so dedicating the merit of this practice to them, all of our brothers and sisters everywhere that might be suffering in some way or another, any love, compassion, wisdom, insights, little glimpses of peacefulness, it's been cultivated individually or collectively today. May it go out to all beings. May all beings everywhere without exception, may they all be happy, truly, truly happy and free from suffering. Thank you again all so very much. Really appreciate all of you. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.